Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, this is John Dorsey. How you doing, buddy boy? Don't be scared. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Monday edition of the show. Sadly, either one of us is celebrating a victory Monday here uh, as we close the first quarter of the NFL season and conclude week five already, Kyle, of the college football season. Welcome to the show, Kyle. No, there's no welcome here today. We're mad? Listen, I have been naming our recording rooms. We do we do these remotely from one another. Uh, Victory Monday, Victory Tuesday. I was up to Victory Monday 3.0. Today's, or today's show's recording host name, the room is just effing Monday. That's the kind of mood I'm in right now. I've never noticed that you named these rooms. Now this is something I have to pay attention to. Yeah, I mean, this is like the little Easter eggs buried in like movies and video games and stuff like that. Like there's wow. messages in the room names if you read the URLs. So if I do that, I'll, I'll know what I'm getting into because I, I don't always know, right? I mean, you're, you're, you could be up, down, you know. So yeah, you know, I flip the switch when it's, uh, when it's showtime. You do. The you people do. always get a positive experience, <laughs> unless unless you're fans of certain teams or certain players, in which uh, we're going to be coming at the throat a little bit today on today's show, Joe. Ooh, I'm excited to hear you get angry. Some players, okay? Shall we? Yeah, let's just kind of dig in, kind of takeaways from the weekend, as you said, week four of the NFL season. Uh, the, we're at the quarter pole now. Uh, week five of the college football season. No more September football. I feel like this is a big monumental step for us because there's there there a month has officially transpired. We're into October. We're on to October. And hopefully, like my team, the Miami Dolphins, and the New England Patriots of several years ago, we're on to Cincinnati. We're just we're closing the chapter on that book. And we're moving on, Joe. I need to talk about Deshaun Watson for hot sec, if all right. that's all right with you. Yeah, yeah, okay, Deshaun that. Watson had a very strong statistical performance, passing for 375 yards and two touchdowns in Houston's 37-34 overtime victory against the Indianapolis Colts in a game that looked like it was just destined for a tie because the Colts had the ball around – their own 44-yard line with less than a minute left in the game, fourth and four, and they decided to go for it, Joe. On their own 44-yard line with less than a minute left in overtime. Spoiler alert, they did not get it. Watson hits DeAndre Hopkins, slashing across the middle of the field, Big run and catch, clock the ball, kick the field goal, win the football game. But, Joe, my primary concern here is Deshaun Watson was sacked seven times in this football game, and that's about five too many for a guy that has, within the past five years, 
knee tears on multiple occasions. This Houston offensive line is a significant threat to the development and progression of Deshaun Watson as an NFL quarterback, and I'm not here for it. I don't know. We, we got to peruse the waiver wire. We got to look at the CFL. We got to look at the trading uh, candidates that are out there across the league. The Houston Texans are playing a dangerous game with the amount of times that they're getting Sean Watson sacked in 2018. Big supply demand issue with offensive linemen in the NFL right now. I mean, we saw the Carolina Panthers execute a trade with the Bills last week for Marshall Newhouse, Kyle. There is a trade market for Marshall Newhouse. We, we just don't have enough quality offensive linemen. And right now, the, uh, the Texans are trotting out, you know, Martinez Rankin at left tackle and Kendall Lamb at right tackle. He got hurt and they had to bring in, you know, uh, Julian Davenport. And Chantrell Henderson was the guy they were counting on. He's been hurt. And, yeah, no, it's been a problem there for Houston uh, if there's a silver lining with with Houston today, well, I mean, obviously they won the football game, but I, you know, I really liked Kiki Kuti, the the yeah. wide receiver from Texas plus yards. Yeah, on 11 catches, which is kind of weird. You don't expect him to have you know so few yards per catch, but he was kind of that outlet guy for Watson all game long, and so it was kind of nice to see him get some production. Obviously, New Hopkins with the big game. Let me say this because I, I think Frank Reich's going to take some criticism for going forward in that situation. But the man just wasn't interested in tying this football game, and so it's it's hard, right? You don't you play not to lose, but do you play to tie? I mean, if you punt the ball there, I, you, you nearly clinch a tie. And we look, we can get into a debate on on the NFL's overtime rules, which we you know we were on the brink of ties. I think in three games this week, we've already had yeah. two ties this week uh, or this season. So I mean, I don't want to get into that debate, but I, I mean, it, it does beg the question under this current set of rules you know do you try to go for the win do you really just punt and get the tie like I I I wanted to be critical of it but at the same time I was just like the man's not interested in tying the game and he's going to go down swinging and so I I kind of praised him for that you know what I'm not interested in putting tallies in the L column so I agree with you that there's some context to debating the overtime rules and how they're stupid and how ties are dumb. But you know what's even worse than a tie? A loss. Because at the end of the day, that tie might catch up with you in the win-loss column. That L is going to catch up to you in the win-loss column. And if you're already of the mentality that we're in an evaluation year and so on and so forth, then just put Andrew Luck back on the shelf and don't get him hurt. You know, if you're going to play to win games and if you're going to be concerned about trying to get the win because you're worried about the standings, then you should acknowledge and embrace the tie when you're at your own 45-yard line with 40 seconds left in overtime on fourth and four. That's just my that's my two cents on it. I, I, we can agree to disagree here. One other quick note in this one, Kyle. Naheem Hines, good good game. Uh, nine catches, 63 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, liked seeing him active in the receiving game. He always had a skill set that translated well to being a productive receiving back, but he didn't get to do it a ton at NC State. So it's nice to see that become a big part of his role so far with the Colts. 
not quite as much as, as a ball carrier, but he's getting on the field and producing some big plays in the passing game. Uh, Kyle, we got to talk Mayfield and Rosen, right? Their first NFL starts. Thought they both did some really good things. Rosen, particularly, he was rough in the first quarter, but he settled in. And there were plenty of throws where you saw him test that man coverage and put it in perfect spots for him to get completions against the sideline. Uh, that There was that one throw. He had some vertical shots where he hit it, put it in a bucket. And so really pleasant to see him showing some comfort as that game went on. Uh, obviously, they weren't able to get the win. Uh, it was, that was a, a funky finish there that maybe there was some mismanagement by both teams there uh, that you know you can give some, some – uh, Criticism to Steve Wilkes and Pete Carroll for the way that game concluded. Uh, but uh, I really liked how Rosen settled in. And it's going to be interesting with these quarterbacks. We've got four rookie starters right now. And it's going to be up and down. There's going to be low points. There's going to be high points. Game to game, really rep to rep in a lot of ways. And, and so we have to keep that in mind. Like Quarterback development is not necessarily linear always. It almost never is. And these guys are going to take their lumps. So you saw some good things from Rosen later in the game. He struggled early, but it's going to be this way throughout the course of the season. We saw this with Josh Allen now with a couple of games. Sam Darnold started pretty good in his first game, and he's really uh, came back down to earth the last few. So just take a step back. They're, they're not going to be Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees right now. But the, the key is to see development, to see them not continuing to make the same mistakes and take away these positives. And I think this exposure for all these guys – to get these reps in these games, to get all the opportunity to see the different looks and, and see it in live game action is only going to benefit them for the future. But keep in mind, the infrastructure on most of these teams is not really conducive or, or what you would really want for inserting any one of these guys truly into the lineup. Jill, let's talk about Cleveland Browns, Baker Mayfield. Baker completes just over, barely over, 50% of his passes, just short of 300 yards, two passing touchdowns, two interceptions. But, Joe, this team scored 42 points. Yeah. You know, this team, under 10 quarters of Tyrod to Rod, however you want to say it, Taylor, had scored 42 points, 4.2 points per quarter in six quarters of Baker Mayfield, the Cleveland Browns are averaging 10.5 points per quarter. 21 in the second half of the Jets game, 42 in a football game plus overtime against the Oakland Raiders. Uh, They move the ball. This was a totally different feel for this Cleveland team. Now, uh, Hugh Jackson couldn't coach his way out of a paper bag. So here we are, and the Cleveland Browns lost this football game. But I think if you look at the confidence of the offense, the ability to space teams out and stress teams and not just have things rolled up in your face and and teams daring you to throw it beyond 10 yards down the field and still checking down into the flats, really, I mean – that this has been a nice progression. You talked about progression not being linear. I think really just looking at the way the Browns are running their offense, they've brought the more inexperienced player in and their playbook has opened up, which I think is a great testament to what Browns fans should be looking for this year from Baker Mayfield and the Browns the rest of the way. 
Yeah, I think Mayfield's obviously been the best rookie quarterback so far, and I think weird. He, he may, well, he's the reason he was number one overall pick, and I know that uh, makes you feel really good being your QB one. Um, man, yeah, no, he's definitely ignited this this offense, and, and obviously the points scored certainly speaks to that. Another guy that ignited this offense today was Nick Chubb. Three, three carries for 105 yards and two yeah. touchdowns. It might be time for him to get the rock a few more times. I mean, Carlos Hyde's been pretty good. He carried the ball 22 times. But let's get this more in a, in a 60-40 type situation because Chubb is explosive. And it was funny because after he ripped off that 63-yard touchdown uh, carry, there was a lot of people on Twitter like, whoa, I couldn't believe it. Like they're super surprised. And I'm like, bros, this guy ran a 4-5-2. He's a right. fast guy. He's explosive. Like, let's let's not act like this was, you know, freaking uh, a fullback or something that carried the ball this far. This is an explosive runner. And I think somehow there's some weird labels that got slapped on him somewhere along the way. But anybody watching him at Georgia knew he was explosive. And he confirmed it at the combine. So he's a blend of size, speed, and power. And he's a guy that probably deserves some more touches here in this uh, this new look invigorated Cleveland Browns offense. Yeah, I think the perception has come from the first preseason game mm-hmm. in which Chubb, I think, had like, what, one and a half yards per carry? I mean, he looked bad mm-hmm. running behind a third-string offensive line, coincidentally. So uh, there's context to all these things. And uh was great to see Chubb break out two long touchdown runs in this football game. And hopefully, you know, it's crazy. You think the Browns... Starting rookie left tackle, starting quarterback, potentially could have a rookie running back getting the majority of the carries at some point. Exciting times. And uh, Joe, before we go any further on today's show, uh, I wanted to talk to everybody listening uh, about our friends over at Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats is an online event ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment with experiences that last a lifetime with vivid seats listeners can watch their favorite teams and artists perform in person vivid seats helps fans find their seats to any of their favorite live events including sports concerts theater and more vivid seats offers great prices and an easy purchasing experience with the podcast code locked on listeners can receive $20 off orders of $200 or more if they are first time customers of vivid seats. So if you're looking for NFL tickets, for example, Joe, can you go to any stadium in the country and spend less than $200 on two tickets? <laughs> not many, sir. I would be willing to bet probably not. So if you're a football fan, this is a great chance for you. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Enter the promo code locked on and receive $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. All Vivid Seats confirmed orders are back. They have 100% guarantee. You're looking to go to a, a game in person at some point this season. Vivid Seats is your ticket for your tickets. Joe, what else you got from week four or week five of college too? I don't want to cut you off here. Can I talk about a couple ACC quarterbacks? That uh, I think of we, course. Yes, yes, yes. I, I spent some time on the road this weekend, uh, Virginia, North Carolina State. So I got eyes on Ryan Finley for the fifth time 
in the last year in five weeks. So I've, I've had a lot of exposure to Finley. And uh, let me tell you that, and I, and I put this in my recap piece uh, on the Draft Network for um, ACC Action Week 5, and, and this notion that Ryan Finley is a first-round quarterback is something that is just very, very false. Um, he's a perfectly fine prospect. He's going to get drafted. He deserves to be. He's got upside, I think, as a number two. But this is not the kind of guy that you're going to build your, uh, you know, invest a premium selection and start building your offense around. Uh, his accuracy beyond five, 15 yards, very, very poor. And one thing that I really noticed in this game in particular against Virginia is that he, his processing skills aren't what, where they need to be either, especially for a guy that's like in his sixth year. He's played a ton of snaps. You know, his rep count is very, very high. And for him to, to really, what I thought was he just had a slow trigger. And, and there was plenty of times where Harmon had his guy beat or Amezi had his guy beat. And it was just him kind of holding the ball, kind of taking an extra hitch uh, on several occasions, just being late with throws. And, you know, there was plenty of opportunities where they wanted to test Harmon 1v1 versus Bryce Hall, the guy that Virginia had blanketing him or covering him. And he was just late with the ball and didn't give him a real chance. So, you know, I, I talked with some scouts about Finley and, and they had some most similar concerns as I did just about, you know, that that his ability to work the offense beyond 15 yards is very, very questionable. And then um, the other quarterback I want to touch on is Daniel Jones. He comes back from a fractured clavicle. He only missed two games, Kyle. And uh, he, he started against the Hokies. Uh, Duke was actually ranked in this game. The Hokies coming off their big loss to Old Dominion. And uh, they went into Durham and, uh, and, and beat Duke. And Daniel Jones was healthy. I don't think that was a concern. Um, he's a player that's getting a lot of buzz uh, in NFL circles of being a prospect. And, and let me tell you that he's absolutely one. Whether you like him or not or you believe in Daniel Jones, is, it should be in this first-round discussion or anything like that. The NFL likes him a ton. Uh, people I've spoken to, they they liken his uh, his what is the word? his intangibles uh, to one of those Tim Tebow type things. And I know that that sounds crazy or whatever, but I'm telling you, it's something that matters. And Tim Tebow's a very very flawed quarterback that was still drafted in the first round because people believed he had the it factor. And so that's something that's buzzing about Daniel Jones, and he's obviously got physical traits in terms of his mobility, size, and arm strength. Uh, one thing that I thought was very evident against Virginia Tech was he had a slow trigger. So I want to see that processing speed speed up. And then when he has to come off of his first read, that's where he gets really antsy. And so there's just not a lot of comfort right now from him working his progressions. thought we saw some growth in that area the first couple games of the season, particularly the Northwestern game. But with him being out a couple weeks and then him returning to, to face uh, you know a Bud Foster defense, with Virginia Tech, I thought his processing skills were, were lagging a bit. But the big takeaway here is Finley, not a first-round guy. And Daniel Jones, get him on your radar because he's absolutely on the NFL's radar. Jill, Kyle. I need to talk about James Franklin. <laughs> this is going to get bad. It can't be any worse than the actual performance of James Franklin and his management skills of – Penn State's second consecutive one-point loss to the Ohio State Buckeyes. Death, taxes, and Franklin giving away football games to Ohio State. The certainties in life. <laughs> this is incredible. Uh, someone from statecollege.com, Ben Jones, had put together a list of some of the questionable decisions 
that Franklin had made throughout the course of Penn State's 26-27 loss at home to Ohio State, a game in which they led by two, two touchdowns in the final eight minutes. If this script sounds familiar, it's because it's exactly how the game went last year when they played it at the Horseshoe. James Franklin, in this football game, had called two punts inside Ohio State's 40-yard line. A third punt on fourth and one from Ohio State's 49. Called a field goal on fourth and three in the red zone. Forgot to go for two when up by five in the fourth quarter. And finally burned two timeouts to make a fourth and five in the final minute of the game, a must-convert play, and then crawl, called a draw RPO out of shotgun formation. Joe, if he just does one of those things right, you're in a prob- probably a much different situation down the stretch in this football game. So... All of these opportunities to forfeit potential points, settling for field goals, not going for two and and aiming for touchdowns, uh, not going for two when up by five in a game in which you lost by one point, by the way. Uh, Franklin gets off the field, not before having to be restrained from going over and having words with a Penn State fan who told him, quote, I love you, but that's a bad call, a draw on fourth and five, losing by one in the final minute. And Franklin goes into his press conference and he says, now Penn State is a good, but we are not an elite program yet. And I am going to do everything in my power to make Penn State an elite program. And to that, I say, coach, look in the mirror. Because Penn State surprised me with how well they athletically stood up Mm -hmm. to Ohio State. I was not expecting that type of performance. Now, can they harness that performance? Because this is the same team that jerked around and was up by just a handful of points over Pitt before halftime. This is the same team that was losing in the third quarter to Illinois before scoring 35 points in the fourth quarter. Can that Penn State team show up every week from here on out? If they can, they should win every other game they play this season. But not if they don't show up ready to play, and not if James Franklin continues to make poor decisions in crunch time with his football team. Well, the, the good things with James Franklin, I think, is he's recruiting extremely well. And I think from just an energy perspective, I really like what he brings to the table, igniting the fan base. I think he brings a lot of emotion and energy to the team. But his in-game management is very, well, it's questionable, and it's cost him two wins over Ohio State. Now they need help, right? So even if Penn State goes out and takes care of their business, they need for Ohio State to find a loss here and and for it to work in their favor to get a chance to play for that Big Ten championship. So that's something. I I have one more James Franklin thought. Okay. Penn State's last four losses have been by a combined eight points. Mm. 
and they've had the lead in the fourth quarter of all four of those football games. So he could have – wow. <laughs> he doesn't have to have a loss right now on his resume. Right. Wow, that's remarkable. Well, hopefully he can learn and get better, right? Because, I mean, there's a lot of good things happening uh, with Penn State right now. Um, Kyle, I, I actually can toot my own horn here a little bit because I picked a couple winners this weekend in terms of people that wanted to bet. I told our staff, I said, if you want some free money, you bet, uh, you bet Virginia Tech plus five and a half, and you take Syracuse plus 22. And both of those bets proved to be right. And so, look, I don't always know who's going to win, but if you think you do, you've got to you've got to make a bet and you've got to go to my book. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. And that's why I'm always going to direct you guys to go to my bookie to bet with. Trust me, they are your best bet this season. They've been in business for years. They've got great online reviews, and their mobile site is easy to use. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me. And that's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game, live betting, over-unders on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. My bookie is slammed with new bettors and wants to give everyone the best service possible. If you're willing to deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern time, they'll give you an additional $25 free pay on deposits over $100. Join now and MyBookie will match your first deposit dollar for dollar. Enter promo code LOCKEDON25 to activate that offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON25 when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free pay. And then remember this, if you're willing to hold out until after 7 p.m., so so go to work, get home from work, eat dinner, and then go on to MyBookie after 7 p.m., you can get that extra $25 free by using promo code LOCKEDON25. It's up to you guys, but I'd wait until after dinner, dinner and take that extra money. You play, you win, you get paid. Get over to my bookie and make those bets. Kyle, I had uh, uh, one other player that I want to bring to the table here that uh, just continues to impress me on a weekly basis. And I'm talking about Olamade Zacchaeus, wide receiver from Virginia. Now, he's 5'8 and a half, and he's 190 pounds, so he's not a tall guy. But if he gets in the right scheme fit and they can allow him to do his work from the slot, and, and I think that this guy has a lot of upside in the NFL. He had another big game against, against NC State, over 100 yards receiving, another uh, 40 rushing yards, and uh, he is rewriting this uh, Virginia record book. He set the record last year for career receptions. He's in striking uh, distance uh, for, for the receiving title this year. And um, I just think he's such a fun player. There were plenty of reps where – uh, where I was really impressed with his ability to beat uh, man coverage against uh, North Carolina State. His footwork, his quickness allows him to get clean, clean releases. And then he, his ability to kind of set up those route breaks and, and sell them really kind of put some of these cornerbacks in a blender. I think he's got good ball skills, and he is electric with the football in his hands. So I want to bring a new name to the table. I've tweeted about him. I've written about him. But I don't think I brought him up on the podcast. So I urge you guys to check out this Olamade Zacchaeus because he – is a fun football player. Joe, I have one final apology to make. Whoa. Actually, that's not true. I have two apologies to make. I I would like to formally apologize to uh, fans of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. 
when I said all those mean things about your football team in July and August, about how <laughs> overrated you were, that was with the idea that your starting quarterback was going to be Brandon Wimbush. And I don't know if you know this, Joe, but Notre Dame's changed their quarterback. Mm-hmm. And suddenly their offense doesn't suck. And when their offense doesn't suck, this is a pretty damn good football team. And uh, they, the Irish now have banner wins against the Big Ten and the Pac-12 with Michigan and uh, Stanford. So if you think about if Notre Dame were to run the table, they find themselves in a very favorable position because they have big wins over two of the powerhouses from their respective conferences that they'll be battling with. Uh, down the stretch, they play Syracuse, who suddenly is looking like a tough out. Yes, They could get a banner win against the ACC as well. Uh, they play USC down the stretch, a household name. Virginia so, Tech Saturday. Virginia Tech on Saturday. Florida State as well. So, I mean, there's household names on this schedule from here on out, but Notre Dame with Book playing quarterback and not Brandon Wimbush, uh, I'd like to apologize to Notre Dame listeners because I said not nice things about your football team. And uh, my other apology, real quick, uh, I wanted to apologize to Oregon quarterback Justin Herbert for not having him QB1 from the start. But, Joe, every month I'm updating my positional rankings and my big board. And with the start of October marks a reassessment of where these football players are at. And Brian Lewerke, who I had coming into the season as my QB1, has not shown the progression and development and steps forward that I was anticipating him taking with his team returning 10 starters on the offensive side of the football. And with that in mind, because he's been stagnant and we're seeing improvements of the notable of notable amounts from Justin Herbert, as I've updated these positional rankings, Justin Herbert is now my QB one where we stand right now in the process and my opinions on these players. This has been weird, right? So now we've had this today, the Josh Allen thing for like one week, but you can kind of pounce back on that. Yeah, let's not talk about Josh Allen today on the show. I'll do you a solid. What was the other thing that you did that was was very different? Forgot what it was. I have to remember. I'll just nice. my brain a little bit. Yeah, you've been you've been weird. Yeah, with the, <laughs> the apologetic Kyle Krabs. It's different man. Different man these days. No, I was still very, uh, very petty at times. Don't you worry. got a blend of us, blend of both worlds now, Kyle. You're so diverse. I'm a man of many talents. We'll put it that way. We both are. So is this podcast. We got some fun stuff coming up this week, Joe. Uh, should we tease the Wednesday show? Because I really like it. Tease it. All right. So we had, I believe it was Ben Solak on Twitter had said, uh, if he could allocate different positional groups from teams across the country and build a team to beat Alabama. And we said, that's a great idea. So Joe and I on Wednesday are going to be drafting teams by unit backfield receivers, offensive line, defensive line, linebackers, and secondary to beat Alabama. 
And we're going to see on Scout versus Scout on Wednesday who can put together the best team with the best chance to beat the Tide. So you want to make sure you catch that show and everything else that we have going on this week. Hit subscribe on the Draft Dudes and follow along with us. You can reach us on social media. Joe is at the Joe Marino. I am at Grinding the Tape. And we're also on Instagram at the Draft Network. We got a lot of fun stuff going on over there. Really trying to amp up the interactive uh, content that we have with you guys on a daily basis. So make sure you check all that out. Swing over to thedraftnetwork.com. I have a mock draft dropping today, Joe, today at the Draft Network. So I'll be sure to step on some people's toes throughout the day as well. Be turning my phone off and looking the other way. (laughs) So we hope you guys enjoy. Thanks for listening to the Draft Dudes Podcast. I'm Kyle Krabs signing off with Joe Marino. We'll talk with you all tomorrow. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.